hello and welcome to Movie Buffs, a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Shani B. You can find me on all the socials at Shani B Movies. And I'm your other host, Cisco, aka Misfit Minded. You can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today, we're talking about the 2011 true crime film, Kill the Irishman. Yes. Starring Ray Stevenson, Christopher Walken, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Val Kilmer, to name a few people. So many surprises in this one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it is the biopic of real-life Cleveland kingpin, the Irishman Danny Green. And it's told across his life, and it follows the rise and fall of the unions and organized crime in the city of Cleveland in the 1970s. Just... Never saw any of that coming, so... Right. <laughs> it, tell me your thoughts. What did you think? Yeah, sprawling, sprawling story in all sorts of ways. Um, but yeah, I wasn't expecting the Cleveland aspect of it, um, you know, which I guess was different than, you know, we usually see like East Coast, you know, like New Jersey, New York, that area um, with this type of story. I forget what the Irishmen, where they were in that. I, I want to say they were like traveling though a lot in that one. But yeah, anyways, the Midwest uh, portion of this definitely took me by surprise. Um, also, Danny Green is an NBA player. So that was like kind of distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, so not the basketball player, Danny Green, the uh, ex-mobster. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd never seen this before. Like that's not, you know, Rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. That's kind of why I wanted to do this kind of as a tribute because, um, you know, he just passed away. And this is like one of his leading roles, I would say, like when you look him up. Um, and so it's rare. Yeah, it's rare that he's a leading man. It's like this. And uh, he did a Punisher movie and then he was in RRR. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that Punisher either, even though Twitter is trying to convince me that that's actually a good movie. Always. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I think there's elements that are good in it, but it's mostly like skippable for me. Like if you, this is like a perfect like streaming on Tubi movie or something like that. Yes. Do with that with <laughs> what you want. Um, you know, the there's a lot of cameos. Uh, it moves very quickly. I would say oftentimes a little too quickly <laughs> to where <laughs> they're like fording through. I mean, all of Linda Cardellini stuff, I felt really bad because it was just like, um, let's get back to the gangster stuff and just fast forward her being pregnant, fast forward their relationship. <laughs> it was really awkward how this movie kind of unfolded. And I agree. I don't. I love a good period piece, but I'm not sure that I like if this was in the theaters, I think I still would have been like, eh, yeah, just it it didn't it doesn't have a great pull right off of the I guess like right off of the cover. It just kind of looks a little bit generic, yep. which is why I'm with you. I totally thought it was just going to be one of the cities we know. So the Cleveland aspect definitely got me listening a little bit more intently, mm -hmm. but Mm. it's like one of like even on the cover here like literally all the three people that are on the cover are maybe have a total of like 10 minutes of screen time like yeah together <laughs> and ray stevenson as a star is all the way in the back here like 
So it's it's one of it's one of those where it's just like they pop in, do a little scene. Um, I thought they really shamelessly tried to copy Goodfellas in a lot of ways, especially like the first hour. Yeah. Like you might as well have just opened it like I always wanted to be a gangster or something like it was just the narration from um, Val Kilmer for some reason. I like Mm -hmm. don't know why they went with that choice. It was very strange. Like we don't know like really much about him. And it it takes itself so seriously. Like, I feel like that's one thing that, like, people can't copy. Like, you can copy the format of the Scorsese gangster film, but all of his movies have such memorable characters that are, like, quotable lines. Like, you know their names. And, like, I just felt like this one was just, like, missing where I was like, wait, who is that again? Like, there was just so many characters. I was kind of struggling and, like, I was thinking the perfect person that could have done this was Guy Ritchie. I think he could have killed the story. Yeah. Because he is so good at like taking that type of format. And like I watched the trailer and the movie that they promised me was not. Not in that. No. <laughs> and I felt like the even like the way they cut the trailer was like kind of in a way that uh, Guy Ritchie would, you know, do like one of his movies. Yeah, like it was. It was definitely a kind of movie where if if he was in charge, the, the the kind of Danny Green that he would have given us would have been close to what this guy is supposedly supposed to be like. I mean, I think my biggest take takeaway from this is whoever this Danny Green guy was, he sounds like he was wild. Right. <laughs> he sounds like he did not give a fuck working out in the park with a gun on him and people shooting at him multiple times. This guy does not give a shit about dying. And I feel like that. That was kind of nice for Stevenson to get to play that kind of role and just be like completely unafraid, even though he's supposed to have been a young guy when he met Cardellini and he looks 50 years older than her. <laughs> and then when he meets Laura Ramsey, he's like 60 years older than her. So a couple of issues with this Danny Green guy and how they brought him to the screen. But I guess the myth of this dude, the legend of this dude uh that was pretty cool yeah the point the main point is they made it seem like this kind of like caper of like no one can kill this guy oh really yes and like it doesn't really get to that story i I checked because i like paused it because i was waiting for that to happen it's not an until an hour into the movie in this like two hour movie when they get to that plot line so i was kind of like just confused that like why again like the first half is like just setting up this like backstory of this guy I've never heard of before. <laughs> and it's like, if you're going to do that, I mean, I don't know. It, it was go all the way. Yeah. You know, like they were, they were painting by numbers. Like you say, they were doing all of the right things like the Scorsese movie does, but they didn't have the groundedness because they were like cosplaying all of it. His hairpiece is the best example of like oh, why man. this was such a cosplay adventure. The budget. Yeah. Like the color was ambitious, things were crisp, but you, the 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 strings, you could see the strings too well. I mean, the period piece of it all was not there, like either. Like I was never, I never believed, I'm like, what decade are we in? Like, and then they start, they, they don't begin with like saying the years, but then like, again, like halfway through, they start putting the years in. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like this is. Yeah, some of the hairstyles and stuff, I'm like, that definitely doesn't look 60s and 70s. Like They s- strung it together as best as they could, but it, it does not have enough behind what this story needed because the amount of car explosions we 
that ha were happening in Cleveland IRL and that this movie tried to like help us understand alone. I was like, dang, you can't, this story is almost un it's unable to do it justice yeah. with the amount of money they were playing with. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, the budget definitely hurt it too. And just, yeah, I think the biggest like gripe, I, I I'm going back to it is just like with Goodfellas, like Ray Liotta in that movie is not like, like I, I guess Ray Stevenson in this movie is like a superhero and it's like there that's a good that could be a good thing but then there's also no depth to him at all like you don't know what he wants why he's this way yes like he he has like all these like jokes about the different like game like the italians and the the polos and stuff like that but that's really like all of like the characterization you get out of this guy and that he like loves these younger women yeah somehow he's a ladies man at the same time i cardellini like fate making chemistry out of nothing is maybe the best thing i've seen in a while because she's so good you know you and i we are always upset when there are no good sex scenes in movies so there was a sneak one in this one with cardellini you know no no party favors but then the like very awkward sexy later in the movie where uh laura ramsey comes through and just all of a sudden is like oh here are my boobs i was like whoa get you're supposed to be in that boy witch movie the covenant put your boobs away don't show them to him he's way too old oh is that where she's from i was trying to figure out i'm like i think i've seen her somewhere but um she's actually from she's the man <laughs> um i feel like this has become like a recurring segment now of like the sex scene breakdown but good they're always so fascinating and so the not the sex scene but like the uh yeah the boob shot whatever you want to call it was edited so weird like it was like it was almost like she was surprised like yeah yeah oops like like my boobs fell out <laughs> i don't understand i don't know what to do <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't like I, I wonder what her direction was it wasn't like come get this it wasn't like it was just like it's just blank face with like tits out and i was just like this is so awkward. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as an actor, you could like tell that she was sort of like, yeah, I'm just trying my best to do whatever this scene is asking for. I don't know what it's asking for. But I think to your point, like there was a real it was easy to sort of see that the direction wasn't as strong as the yeah. story needed it to be, because somehow I will buy that women want to fuck Jack Nicholson forever. I'll buy that. But I couldn't really buy. <laughs> or a powerful, a powerful person in general. Yeah. Yeah. I can't buy that she's into him at all after he's already had a wife and family. Like how? No way. I can't buy it at all. Yeah. And it's like, I just feel like they, it's almost like PR for Danny Green. It felt like at some points where it's just like, anytime something could make him look bad, they like go the safe route and like yeah <laughs> just like renege on it and it's like what like that was interesting like him and linda carlini like you know of course there's a bunch of nagging wife tropes or whatever but it's like there's no beef no tension no drama like no nothing like it's not like again goodfellas that's the template like that's mm. uh him and karen like having all those hilarious and like just passionate crazy fights yeah <laughs> Right. It's like the palpable heat of a person who basically lives in a survival state is a big piece of the mob movie. Yeah. And even though the mob is a huge part of what's going on in this movie, I agree. I I just don't feel that here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's And then, yeah, the Linda Cardellini, like, 
the first night they meet, they're they're hooking up in the alley behind her restaurant. I mean, her just ludicrous, just ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, her being able, I guess, like it's a testament to her as an actress because she really, I can't believe she was like, "What's?" She marched over and was all, "I'm gonna make this happen," which I don't understand, but. But I think that is more in the storytelling visually is that like we didn't also get to see that thing where like the town actually looked at Danny Green as much as the camera was trying to make us think they did. They would give us that low shot of like him and his boys walking across the street to tell the biker gang guy to like quit partying. And it just felt like it's four dudes crossing the street. There's no people in the neighborhood really into this, even though the camera wants me to believe it. Yeah, it definitely felt like. Like, even when there was extras on set, it was, like, so limited. Like, there was one scene in particular I was, like, laughing so hard where um, Val Kilmer uh, is talking with him. Like, they have a couple sit-downs or whatever mm -hmm. uh, together. And there's one where it's supposed to be, like, this grand, like, festival in the park. And it's like they just rounded up, like, 20 people and told them to, like, dance or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, stay in the frame. Because, but the way they, if they had just like moved the camera a little bit more, because you just see like half of it is empty field and the other half is like the 20 people. <laughs> yeah, the camera work, that's the thing too. If you're going to copy Scorsese, like the, the camera work was so boring. It's like, well, it just, it says a lot about how the camera work is not just the camera work. That's like another reason why I love talking about action movies with you and talking about movies in general is that it's so easy to think that you can just copy a Scorsese shot and you'll get the same result. And that just like, isn't how it works. And they, but they don't even try. It's like a lot of it is just people sitting down and talking and it's like over the shoulder cut reaction cut like it was i'm like um barely any inserts in meaningful no. ways no fun momentum there was one like tracking making. shot where you could tell like they were trying to do like that kind of the coca cabana um i think i think it was the christopher walken uh first introduction which i thought he was one of the best cameos in this i love like Hell yeah. his is literally his first line he was like this beef stroganoff you gotta try this <laughs> like <laughs> And that's what you're supposed to bring. Yes. And it's like, that's a memorable part of this movie that like, I'll never forget now. And like, I couldn't really tell you all the other mob guys really apart. Like, we'll get into some of the other camp. Like, there were some other decent ones. But mm. I mean, even like the Val Kilmer stuff that they're trying to set up, like, I didn't really get any meaningful. Just like totally underused. They barely used him at all. And when they did, he was like a weird narrator who was somehow still one dimensional. And I just think he's miscast, honestly. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, this period of his career. It's a little random. Is like, I love Val Kilmer, you know, and I feel bad for what's happened or whatever but like this is not the best time in his career um and like just fully not giving a shit on the narr narration and even like some of his dialogue i like like he barely could say the sentence like i was like reading it off the captions more than i was hearing him say it <laughs> and i was just like yeah this wasn't you really needed so if you're going to do i think this was that was another problem was the pov because it's like you're getting his narration but then this is like clearly from danny green's perspective i guess but then he like dies at the end and there's really no one to like i mean spoilers i guess oh, sorry uh, <laughs> uh but then there's no one to like commemorate i guess like pretty much every plot twist this movie too is so predictable yeah i was like oh he's dead oh explosion here oh 
Like, <laughs> she, it was very predictable. I just also, it seemed like one of those things where they used all the paint by number stuff that the other films have, but because they didn't get to do any of the other stuff, it did feel unfulfilling. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just, it was just sort of like, oh, it's capped. You know, like for a year, there were like 60 bombings in Cleveland because the mob was all killing each other. But like now it's just over. There wasn't any like love letter to Cleveland the way that in other mob movies, there is a love letter to whatever city they're in. And I was kind of struggling with the Cleveland part in some respects because in Goodfellas, you understand why someone would get drawn into this lifestyle. Yes. I mean, like like you said, it's always wanted to as a kid looking up to these guys that's what his influence was but it's it just seems like Danny Green is his own man like and he's like no one can influence him and so it's just like weird and like it's not like they're living in this rich mansion like his house is kind of shitty like the house that he gets with Linda Cardellini like it's kind of a dump and it's in this bad neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> it's truly doesn't give a shit he lives in a shitty neighborhood and he, he's so exposed it's easy for people to just blow his shit up whenever they feel like it like it gets kind of funny how many explosions <laughs> he survives yeah for him being the star of this movie it does seem like we don't really spend any time with him in a meaningful way somehow yeah yeah, yeah i'm with you i mean we can get into our i feel like we've been shitting on this but like as far as the major plot holes are questions i guess it would be the car bomb like the amount of car bombings because there was a lot of good ones i will say that like we'll get into that more with like when we get into specifics action wise but it's just like after a while like i probably just wouldn't drive yeah you know what i mean it doesn't seem like a huge city like maybe you know get a bike or like i don't know take the bus or something <laughs> or like some sort of better strategy yeah. i also feel like that everyone's strategy was just like nah i'm just gonna go ahead and believe my car is safe yeah that, like what plan is that that's not a real plan yeah and then the other one like you know again another reoccurring theme is just the ladies piece of it it's just i mean even the second one was just like way like really bad because it was just like this looks like his daughter or something like it really did it was just so creepy to me and like the way that he like stalks her at work it's like he well first the night before he's like what time do you open she's like six and he's like all right drives away comes back at six and i'm like that is not okay like no that it's very creepy that's just her that's harassment uh and you know she eventually like yeah she goes with him or whatever but um yeah and they get married <laughs> but yeah i mean that's that is the standard of this thing is that like again there's no substance to that they couldn't make me believe it but i think irl there's charisma that explains that stuff and the best guys that have played like mob dudes or this type of dude they find a way to capture it and so i just feel like this movie requires an important director because when you're gonna do like a literal gritty period piece of any kind or like a true biopic you have to be collaborating with a director like there has to be a visual or a visible collaboration between the star of this movie and the director and i feel like you can see conversations and the cinematographer yes exactly and it just seemed like yeah the lighting looked like made it look so cheap i feel like like you were talking about like the color grading and stuff like it just it made it look like a soap opera to me a lot of different times it looked like they fixed a lot in post yeah and i feel like i am always a sucker for bright color in post but when that isn't a choice mm -hmm. and i think like when i first keyed this movie up i was like oh this might be a fun choice like this movie is maybe cheaply made but creative in the filmmaking and then it's just like 
dropped out completely and yeah. became very boring. <laughs> yeah. We mostly nailed all, all the comments I have about this movie. The score being a goofy Irish influence score was like pretty hard to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, Jesus, these bagpipes, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like you compare it to like, I was thinking of like Departed and they play the you know what's that the song they play like all the nfl games now oh oh the shipping up to boston one is it like that shipping up to boston yeah and it's like what well, in in that period it was like cool but like now it's like almost become a joke to kind of play that type of like yes super irish stuff to i will say though that was one of the to give some compliments because i feel like been pretty harsh so far <laughs> the the finale like when he finally does bite the bullet and it, it's like that slow music somber music uh he gets the poem from his friend or whatever in the mail mm -hmm. and then uh you know he's talking to that kid or whatever and i was like okay this is like some interesting stuff that's building on his character and like this uh this uh, persona that everyone in Cleveland like has around him, like that we haven't really seen mm -hmm. in the entire movie, but if they wait until like the last 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Just weirdly organized in that way. And yeah, just too flat. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like to talk about the filmmaker a little bit more, I feel like this guy is kind of a writer director. Mm -hmm. He at least wrote some movies I like, you know, he did write Die Hard with a Vengeance, the original Jumanji. Oh. Love that. Fucking Armageddon, like The Saint. Die Hard with a Vengeance, though, is so good. God, it's like it's true. It's up there with the first one. It's on par with. Yes. To me. Yes, I agree. I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Me too. Um, and then Armageddon, I actually just found that um the bookstore too where I got Kill the Irishman. Let's go. Uh the uh, the out of print criterion edition, which I was like very I was like, oh shit. Wow, that is a collector's <laughs> item. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I'm like like the only other uh bay one they have in the criterion collection, which I'm I'll still look out for is The Rock. I don't have that one yet. Dude, The Rock is so friggin' good. We're gonna do that. We gotta do that movie. And soon. those were some of the earliest, like, they would never do that anymore because, no. like, action is not criterion. But, like, they're so old. Like, those are DVDs. Those aren't even Blu-ray. Like, those so <laughs> the Armageddon 2-disc DVD. Uh, but I do like that movie. That's that's one of the bays I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, the story of those movies is good, but they're to the point of directors really mattering here. It's like the director, like Michael Bay, having Armageddon takes Armageddon from being just a kind of basic story about a ragtag group to, like, everyone crying in the end. It becomes a Bay movie. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then he also uh, wrote and directed The Punisher with Thomas Jane, not the Ray Stevenson one. So that's an interesting connection yeah. there because I think I think that's a better movie. And I think Thomas Jane was a better Punisher, to be honest. Yeah, it's unfortunate. But I agree. I, I did like that. That 04 one better. <laughs> it's just like the, the sequel just got like too cartoony and like just the tone was just like. It was almost on the other side, like way too... It was in that limbo period where we weren't sure how our superhero movies were going to like really land on the ground in a way where we could do the dark mm -hmm. ones and the light ones. And I just feel like that like 0000s is like a learning curve. Yeah. Before Deadpool like cracked the code. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, getting into the action of this movie now then too, uh, what sequences stood out to you? 
uh, in particular? Well, I mean, I really did like the way that he punched everybody all the time, slapped people and stuff. So I, I did appreciate <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah, the Foley uh, sound effect of him punching and slapping, particularly his boss that one time is good. And At the union, at the, the union guy, yeah, who is the uh, the warden from Shawshank Redemption. Hell yeah. Who's like always just a, always a bastard. Whenever you see him in a movie or something, you're always like, oh. Yeah, fuck that guy. So I wasn't mad that he like smacked him and humiliated him. But yeah, I, I think that's, that's to our character point. Okay, that's one thing. He's a man of honor. Mm -hmm. He would rather punch someone out. And then, like, when he sends his goon, this was, like, immediately before that scene when he sends his uh, – he says he's going to bring a lot – like, he says send people or whatever, and it's only just that one guy, Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was funny, too. Uh, but, yeah, instead of that guy was going to shoot him, he, like, talks him into a fist fight, and then he just wipes the floor with him. It really wasn't an interesting fight. So good. But, yeah, like, he the whole movie, he, he'd rather punch his way out of a situation than shoot or – bomb or whatever so yeah yeah because i feel like bombs are just so hard to beat so it was a little bit of a like hot and cold in the sense that people were either going to get blown up and be murdered immediately or he was gonna just beat the shit out of them and they might come back around again and get the shit beat out of them before he blows them up so i guess like i like those se the sequences where it was like more funny and more character driven for sure um yeah like just beating everybody up to try to force the the garbage men to join their union was pretty funny yeah that was pretty dope <laughs> just trying to make the most of the pieces that should have been action i think i appreciated you know because I, I guess i expected more action frankly i know there still was but so did i i know for movie buffs this isn't i wouldn't say this is movie buffs approved Hey, this happens sometimes. Uh, not to step on it, but that's why. Yeah, that's why I like this was the first time it worked out when we did Blood in Blood Out. I actually thought that was uh pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, first time watch that we took a chance on. So you know, this one I I, I like that garbage scene too because like they're throwing trash in all of them. So it's like in case you didn't know, they these were the yes. garbage guys. <laughs> <laughs> And there's that one guy that's like, all right, I'll agree to it. I'll agree to it. And they just, just continue to beat the shit out of them. Yeah, just like a little, all these instances where they could bring that grid in, but just not really being able to do much more than have fun with it. And I guess like, of course, as an action fan, I, I want the violence and I want the fun, but I was hoping for that violence to be a little bit more in tune with and in line with the storytelling proper. Yeah. And, you know, you win some and you lose some. This some some of our first time watches we're gonna nosedive on it's gonna happen yeah and uh or even like sometimes when we did uh the purge sequel i remembered it being a lot better the first time i saw it than on rewatch so sometimes that happens too oh man and with a good franchise if there's like a weird one in the middle it's a lot easier to to slide past but forget a movie like this that's never gonna get a sequel it like it is kind of it's at least we saw it yeah and for me, I, I I had the bombings like montage just because, like we said, there's so many like different ones. And when they showed like the news footage, um, you know, about like how many bombings there were like uh, and how many like deaths that came. The, you know, the Vincent D'Onofrio one again, that was one I predicted like as soon as they stopped talking. And he's like, all right, we're about to do this, bro. I was like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> It was like so cheap, and then like his cheesy like army scene death, where he's like on the floor, like. Oh. Yeah, they didn't have enough uh, special effects for that for that shit to like look as cool as it could have. Mm -hmm. 
know. But like the entire, yeah. But like I think the what is it? The sum is greater than the parts or whatever. So like that whole montage, yes, was was as a whole. I thought was like effective in showing like wow, this was like a huge thing it got on the news i will say when they showed the news segment one part i was like okay like the editor did not (laughs) every single news segment it was like the same news guy and it was like reporting to you from channel four this is robert blah 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 and i was like did we have to include that for every single news who is this guy is he essential to the plot (laughs) nobody's on screen more than many people who were Yeah, I guess like that's the hard part about making these movies. It's really hard to know how much of each piece to use. And that's why the masters are the masters. Yeah. Because like, I don't really know how Scorsese makes a two and a half hour movie. And I'm like, wasn't that only 30 minutes? Can't I watch three more hours of this? Or three, three plus like Irishman is up there. Wolf Wall Street Uh, Street is up there. I will say like we're being harsh this isn't like gaudy level bad this isn't like no like john like where it's just like incompetent filmmaking on every level and screenwriting it's like this is like just we've seen the prime rib and this is just like mid (laughs) like this is like yeah this is the diner steak yes you know like i know it still came from a cow and stuff but it came from a boring cow yep Exactly. So yeah, tell tell me about uh, your vibe on the performances, though. I know we talked a little bit about Val and D'Onofrio, but what did you think of everyone's accents? Because I know you've got some Midwestern vibes. <laughs> oh, the accents were all over the place, dude. I was like, I didn't know there was sometimes like where you know, I, that's what I wanted to talk about. Ray Stevenson, I will say too, is is he's is pretty good too as this character yes just like his physical performance like i they show the real danny green at the end and he's like this towering dude like just scary looking dude like you would not want to mess with and ray stevenson is that you know so i think like in that regard like he nails it um and some of those like sit down scenes where he's like holding his own definitely capable in that but it's just like like we're saying the writing it's just like it only takes him so far um, and it's the same with all of these cameos. Christopher Walken. Um, I did. I did think like his car explosion scene was one of the better ones too, just because like you know the of course church breaks out right when they're about to do it, and it's next to a church. Yes. And he has to go and save the little girl from or old lady or whatever. Yep. From uh, getting hit, and then Christopher Walken like sees him, and I'm thinking like he's not going to get in the car. Same. So I thought that's that sequence could have even been like more suspenseful where. You know, they drew it. Is he going to do it? Is he not? And then all of a sudden, Christopher Walken is like blown back like 50 feet. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, shit. I was I was expecting more of that like Scarface thing where, you know, they have to do the give and take of trying to figure out how to like be a good guy when they blow stuff up in the middle of in the middle of a city. Yeah, where, uh, you know, and that's, that's uh, Scarface's code, you know, no kids. I said no women, no kids. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yes. <laughs> yeah, like there's so much uh, influence from all of the greats here and all the good films here. And I think the great actors that are here definitely keep it afloat for sure. It's just like we didn't really get enough of them, you know, like for as much of D'Onofrio as we got, we like still, in my opinion, didn't get enough. And we got like barely any Val and he was weirdly cast like mm. just it was so hard to contain all of the people the way I wanted. The cops didn't play any threat. No. Like that's what I'm saying with the suspense part of it or drama part of it. It was just like, 
I used to play baseball with this guy when we were kids. Yeah, people say we're in cahoots, but I don't care about that. Right. It's like <laughs> he's just at the bar like, you can't pay for my tab because I'm a good cop. And it was just like, all right, well, you're letting him get away with yeah. like murder still and bombing. So are you a good cop? <laughs> Seems like you're- that's a good point. Yeah, I was waiting for him to turn like state's witness or some shit because him and Val were friends and we just like never did that. Yeah, I guess the only other ones, Robert Davi is always reliable as a bad guy uh, from the Goonies, one of the henchmen from the Goonies. But he plays like the hitman they bring in to take care of Danny Green. And yes, that was like, we'll get into it. But that whole sequence, I thought is like when it stepped up in terms of suspense and like oh shit he's in trouble now yeah steve sharippa who's you know sopranos vet mm-hmm. um also he has a talking sopranos podcast out right now it was cool to see him show up and i i think his like little his uh performance and cameo was pretty well done too where he was like the one garbage guy that held out awesome like i'm not i built this for myself yes he kind of like aligned in danny with that way and danny was like i like him because of that yeah tried to protect him and everything yeah i thought that was well done and then to like he had to take him out with the with the one shot headshot which was pretty dope paul servino speaking of goodfellas paulie and and Goodfellas showing up here um, with his yeah. black hair dye. <laughs> this classic look, you know it. Super black. <laughs> yep, it's the classic Sorvino look. He is he wore it for fifth for sixty years probably straight. Oh man! And then the last one, I was like, I know that guy from somewhere. I can't put my finger on it. The guy who was like, he told him not to gamble. Yeah, he was on Ozark most recently. He was the FBI agent. Yep, Jace Jason. Jason Butler Harner, I wrote it down. And yeah, from Ozark. Nice. What about you? I think the cameos were done really well. Also, I feel like the cameos were maybe the my favorite part of this. And at, at a certain point, I was sort of like, who else is in this movie that I had no idea was going to be here? <laughs> so I was really excited when Vinnie Jones came. And again, to to bring the Guy Ritchie of it all back to the center, Vinnie Jones was here. And, and even he was sort of like, I'm trying to bring this. I'm giving it. But we didn't even get enough of him either. So I think I was excited for I was excited for him to be there. I feel like I can't pick a favorite because everyone who came in the cameos understood the assignment and did you know what they should to try to help this story. I guess to help this story along, but it didn't really feel like anyone was in charge of the pace, so they just kind of came and went. Vinny Jones, that was the other guy too. Uh, it was good to see him. I love his accent, all of things too. So. Yeah. And we did get to see a little bit of a performance out of him that I thought was kind of surprising that like Mm -hmm. in this one, he because Danny had a like moral code and all of his friends were like they truly were like we're brothers, but not the way in other mob movies it has looked so far. Yeah, he really did look like upset and nervous when he thought that things were starting to go sideways. Like I was like, oh, wow, he has some authentic real moments happening here. So I think if I had to pick, he's probably my favorite part his death too was like particularly like brutal i felt like where he like i know he sees the cadillac and he's like oh danny boom shotgun into the bushes i was like oh man yeah that was a cool one that's definitely going to be in the running here for uh for stunts so let's just get into it right now what's what's stunts for your favorite well i think like the basic ones you know i love a good pencil through the hand i love uh, <laughs> yeah, I love like trying to do, I guess, like trying to do some of the explosion stuff. But I think just the base, the basic stunts of like the stage combat of it all is really like where where I was like, oh, this is the impressive piece. You know, we don't 
always get to see that kind of stuff. We're usually like much bigger. So from the smaller vantage point, I think just just that little stuff, like I guess the stage combat in this because there's so much punching and kicking. That really is impressive. <laughs> or I mean, uh, punching and slapping. I think because though we watch so many like choreographed movies, it's like it's hard for me to, <laughs> you know, take the slow like, <sighs> like seriously. Uh <laughs> it's true. The basic uh, realistic fighting. I'm not even really sure if I could identify it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I we're so we're in, we're in too deep at this point. Like we're undercover. I, th- I I think I just have to go with the bombings. Like it was almost sometimes a lot of times I was like, man, this was pretty impressive. Like, did they spend most of their budget on the explosions? I think they did. <laughs> the answer is yes. Because the bombings out of all of the visual like, you know, shit that we gave it, I will say the bombings looked pretty great. Like all the, the there was some CGI fire stuff like in the. I would say like the first bombing, like when his car radio and stuff that looked a little fake. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just like any time someone getting their car, I thought all those were were the best um, stunt wise. It's true. I think they definitely put most of their money into that. And I think (laughs) you kind of have to, you know, like, yeah, this movie is a great example of how even when you have a lot of good pieces to work with, how like having to figure out a way to work the budget is maybe like what is the barrier to a good movie sometimes. And it's good and it's possible to have a low budget good gangster movie. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen it before many times. It's just like what's going to be that uh difference maker? Is it going to be the star of the movie? Is it the story? Is it the director? Is it all three kind of working together? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just, you know, this one had a lot of ingredients. I just like all together didn't really mesh as well. Uh, as it could have for me for sure yeah what about kills what about which of the kills really stood out to you because a lot of people got blown up but which one meant something that's a good question i mean i like the uh like we were talking about the shotgun to the bushes i thought was like really effective mm-hmm. um now that we've talked about it though I'll, i think i'll change what i was gonna say Ooh. i think the when they blew up well it's still a car bombing i guess but like where uh he had to make the choice to kill the the gambler um, who was under the car. Because again, that was like, okay, there's some stakes here. You know this guy is going to gamble again. When as soon as he told him not to gamble anymore, you know where that was going to hap- was going to head. Um, but I did not expect that he would have to kill him like himself, I guess, necessarily. So that was kind of like a different spin on the car bombings. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a car bombing where someone was under the car. I thought that made it like extra brutal yeah to think about so yeah i think that one i thought that was a honorable mention to the one i think it was in the montage too where the guy opens the mailbox and gets the shrapnel too to the chest that was pretty pretty graphic too yeah that was good what about you i think for me i just like the very classic kill of when d'onofrio is trying to prove his loyalty to danny and so he's just like here let me pat my trunk and then just stabs that dude a bunch of times in the trunk and is like we're we're in cahoots now it's you and me guy that was good. I was into that. That was tough for me, though, because that was a legit kid. Like, that was a teenager. Yeah. And I was like, even in Goodfellas, when they're stabbing the guy in the trunk, they don't show the guy in the trunk. And it's not a kid. So I, I hate to keep making comparisons to Goodfellas, but it's like, there's a reason why there's some masters to it. Mm-hmm. Like Scorsese in the choices they make in De Palma with Scarface. This, yeah, on the cover here, the tagline, it's funny. It says, the best gangster film since Goodfellas. I 
cannot agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't say it's the best, but it is certainly a gangster movie since Goodfellas. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There was a whole 20 year period of gangster movies from Tarantino and yeah. Guy Ritchie that I would probably put ahead of this one. So <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we'll have to we have to do it. You know, we didn't really we I've talked about some Guy Ritchie movies and we've talked about his newer movie, but The Covenant. But this movie in particular really did make me hungry for him, you know, like seeing one of his trademark actors and He would have been perfect. Yeah. He would have been so good for this mm-hmm. movie. Or I was thinking uh Scorsese too, because mm-hmm. when it got to the end and they mentioned um Jimmy the Weasel something like that at the end yeah i was like okay i know that name from somewhere then they showed the clip of vegas and i was like okay casino that was the casino yeah so i was like so maybe scorsese did this the larger scale story because this was like right this story leads into the national busting of all the crime families so i was like so maybe scorsese i can't pick him because he already kind of did this with casino and goodfellas so and he's done it so many times. I mean, the Irishman was great, and I'm sure he's gonna kill it again with. Uh... Oh yeah, I'm so excited. Um, all right, cool. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? That's it. That's all I got. Nice. All right, let's get the plugs in. Remind the people where they can find you. Get your action fix and follow the show at Action Movie Buffs on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Get us to over. We're almost. We're so close to a thousand on Instagram. Please, I have. I have. Some... I have some movie codes. Yep, working on merch. So uh, we reach a thousand. I will give some away for sure. So get us get us to there. Let's go. Follow me on Twitter at rampage underscore misfit and my movie pages at misfit underscore minded everywhere. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And please leave a review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And you can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Shani B Movies. Thanks again for listening. Hope to catch you next time on another edition of Movie Buffs. Stay buff. Mm-hmm.